0: Welcome and thank you once again for joining us on today's segment of Making a Difference Through Mentorship, where we believe that you make a difference one life at a time. Our definition of mentorship has three components. It is purposeful relationships, authentic accountability that becomes our professional spiritual responsibility. When we talk about purposeful relationships, purposeful relationships are those that are valued, trusted, and respected that creates a bridge or a segue to the second component, which is authentic accountability, which is reliable, dependable, and affirmational that carries us to the third and final component of our definition of mentorship, which is our professional and spiritual responsibility to develop those that we have the privilege to be able to lead socially, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Thank you so very much for joining us today for Principles and Precepts for Making a Difference Through Mentorship. Today's podcast is entitled Why Everybody Needs a Mentor. Once again, Why Everybody Needs a Mentor. In last week's podcast, The Strength of Covenant Relationships, we discussed Jonathan and David's relationship from 1st Samuel chapter 18. When you study the background, Jonathan actually served as a mentor to David. David was believed to be around 15 or 16 years old at this time in his life where Jonathan was already a seasoned soldier credited with winning two previous battles in First Samuel chapter 13 and 14. History tells us that because of the covenant they established, Jonathan took David and taught him, mentored him in military tactics and operations and operations. In the palace because as the scripture says, He loved him as he loved his own soul. Throughout our life's journey, most of us will recall what we learned from our parents, teachers, professors, coaches, and others from which we learn very valuable lessons about life. For the seasoned leader and even the new leader, one very valuable lesson that most of us have learned in our life experiences thus far is that there is always more to learn. Effectiveness and leadership will always call for consistent and persistent growth and learning. This type of leader always looks to determine and is never afraid to ask themselves the question, what do I still need to learn to be successful in ministry? One answer to this question begins with what God said to Joshua in the book of Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 in the Evangelical Heritage Version. This book of the law must never depart from your mouth. And you are to meditate on it day and night so that you will act faithfully according to everything written in it. Because then you will prosper in everything you do and you will succeed. The Bible has always been the foundation of successful mentoring as we meditate on it day and night, acting faithfully according to everything written in it. This is how we prosper and succeed in everything that we do, which includes our heritage and legacy. The many years that we have labored in ministry, thousands and thousands of dollars invested, for some millions of dollars, invested in property in the building of the house of the Lord, a church, a sanctuary for our ministries and the people of God. And it is inevitable that one day we will have to pass the baton of leadership on to another. So the question that we must ask and answer is, Who are we mentoring? Jethro successfully mentored Moses as noted in Exodus chapter 18. In this chapter, we see the closeness of these two men. They were genuinely concerned about each other's welfare. They invested time with one another. They told one another, talked about uh, what was going on in their lives. This relationship had been cultivated over a 40-year period that Moses was a shepherd in the wilderness as seen in Exodus and married to Jethro's daughter. In this relationship, Jethro helped Moses develop as a leader, trainer, and mentor to others. Jethro pointed out to Moses why his method of leadership was not good for him or the people in the 17th and 18th verses of chapter 18. It was not good for Moses to stand before the people all day long because he was gonna wear himself out. It was not good for the people either. It was not good for Moses. He was going to wear himself out it was not good for the people because they had to wait all day. It was not good for the work of God either because Moses trying to do everything was actually hindering the effectiveness of the ministry. Jethro offered wise counsel. He did not suggest that Moses stop uh, judging or stop being representative of the people of God or to stop being God's spokesman to the people or stop teaching the people God's laws and how to live. No, Jethro came up with a very... Helpful, practical solution in verses 21 and 22, he told Moses to choose out of the people, able men of character, put them over thousands and over 500 and over hundreds and over fifties and 10, able men of character who could help and to let these men help with the ministry. The fact that he listened to his father-in-law and took his advice shows teachability and humility. Number 12 and three says that Moses was very humble more than all the men on the face of the earth. Mentoring is only possible if we are teachable and walk in humility. Proverbs 22 and 4 in the English Standard Version declares, The reward for humility and fear, reverence of the Lord, is riches and honor and life. Because of his teachability and humility, Moses did not think he had arrived or that he did not need any help. Moses followed Jethro's advice. He hearkened and did all that Jethro said. Jethro as a mentor was able to see what Moses could not see about how he was operating in the ministry of serving God's people. And so Jethro says to Moses, if you hearken unto me, God will be with you. Moses listened to the voice of Jethro, who was the voice of God for him, who provided insight for oversight for his ministry and because he did so, Exodus 18 and 23 declares, the people went to their places in peace. Why is it that everybody needs a mentor? Because there are some things that we just do not know. No matter how long we have been in ministry, there are some things that we just do not know. And what we do not know and what we do know it's not all there is to know about what we know. I know my last name. I've known it for over 60 years. My last name is cruel, but that's all that I know. I don't know its origin. I don't know um, uh, how many other persons in um, my family or within the world hold that name. I just know my last name, but there's so much more to know about what I know about my name. One of the many lessons that I've learned over the years is that mentorship is about learning from relationships that matter. And relationships simply means relate to me on my ship. If you're going Northwest and I'm going South, we're going in opposite directions. Mentorship is about learning from relationships that matter, relationships that we want to cultivate and to develop. One of the uh, platforms for mentorship in making a difference through mentorship is in our ethnos leadership process that has three components as we discussed earlier because this is how we also define mentorship, which is purposeful relationships that are valued, trusted, and respected. The problem with many relationships is that we don't value one another and therefore there's no trust and there's no respect. And secondly, with authentic accountability, this means being reliable, which means one that is consistent in their character and credibility, which means that person is believable. So when we talk about authentic accountability, it's being reliable, dependable. To be dependable simply means that I can count on you. That's accountability. I can count on you if you're my leader to help me to grow through my mistakes and through my failures without condemnation, because all of us have made mistakes. All of us still have room to grow. And then the third component or the third element of authentic accountability is that which is affirmational. To affirm means to make steady and to strengthen. Everybody needs to be strengthened on an occasion of their lives and ministries. And then finally, purposeful relationships, authentic accountability carries us to our professional and spiritual responsibility to develop those that we lead socially. We live in a very diverse world. Being able to reach people where they are. That's what Jesus did. Reach people where they are is critical in this day and age. Second element is emotionally. We are very emotional beings. There once was a time when the emphasis was on a person's IQ, but now the emphasis is on a person's EQ, their E emotional intelligence, their ability to understand their own emotions, utilizing that information about self to be able to see into the lives of others and help them to grow. Thirdly, spiritually, it certainly includes the uh, faith factor. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, but it also includes Uh, The human spirit, what does it mean to develop resiliency? What does it mean to be an overcomer? This is all a part of developing those that we lead spiritually and finally physically. Physically includes certainly our health. It includes our well-being physically, but it also includes the physical component of being close to our families. We can never forget that our families sometimes get not the best of us, but the last of us. And so with this particular uh, aspect of mentorship, purposeful relationships that are valued, trusted, and respected, authentic accountability that's reliable, dependable, and affirmational becomes my professional and spiritual responsibility because Jesus himself was a mentor, model, and motivator. That was a part of his responsibility in the earth to seek and save those that are lost, but also to raise, to train, to mentor, and to develop disciples. Responsibility means I have the ability to respond. So for you and I, as our churches and organizations, mentoring efforts become increasingly aligned. There is a ripple effect, positively affecting all that are uh, that experience the, uh, the power of mentorship to grow beyond themselves and what they currently know. There's always more to learn because we never graduate from God's classroom. Isaiah 1 and 17 declares that we must learn to do well. To do well is to continue to pursue and grow in the knowledge of him. When these principles are taught and practiced by leaders at every level in the church or our respective places of work, the value of mentorship Is reinforced and momentum increases. Mentoring evolves over time and is stimulated by success. As more people within the ministry or your workplace participate in mentoring relationships, mentoring becomes the norm. It's just what we do. People voluntarily then seek out mentoring relationships because the experience proves to be positive and not negative. This further helps to create a mentoring culture. Culture in its original Latin origin means to cultivate. Culture can further be defined as all the ways of life in a community or society, including forms of art and beliefs of a population of people that are passed down from generation to generation. Culture has also been called the way of life for an entire society. With this culture includes manners, dress, language, religion, rituals, norms of behavior, law and morality, and systems of that particular culture. Jesus himself created a mentoring culture that was against the norm of his society as he was training and developing the disciples for their future assignments in ministry. In the Message Bible, John 15 and 13, Jesus says, this is my command. Love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. And then he says, you are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named your friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the father. In the last few hours prior to the crucifixion, Jesus is further solidifying the culture of a kingdom mindset by training, mentoring his disciples, solidifying a mentoring culture where they would love one another and be willing to die for one another. People, are willing, people that are willing to do this do not fight with each other as they had done earlier that evening asking Jesus who's the greatest as noted in Matthew, um, uh, Matthew's gospel. Jesus adds that the greatest example of love was for a man to die for his friends. The mentoring culture that Jesus established with the disciples included his desire, his desire as noted in John 17 and 21. Jesus says my prayer for all of them is that they will be Of one heart and mind, just as you and I are, Father, that just as you are in me and I am in you. For us as the people of God, as leaders in our respective places of service in the kingdom, everybody needs a mentor in order to learn how to love and to live like Jesus. It's obvious that the disciples had not yet learned this foundational element of the kingdom, or Jesus would not have to teach this lesson just hours before his crucifixion. This mentoring culture that Jesus established with the disciples was to strengthen their abilities and resiliency for the future, to love and live like Jesus and teach and train and mentor others to do the same. After washing the disciples' feet in John chapter 13, Jesus says in the 15th verse of the common English version of the Bible, I have set the example and you should do for each other exactly what I have done for you. Setting the example was a means or method that Jesus used to encourage the disciples for authentic ministry. In a mentoring culture, an essential element will always be encouragement. Encouragement simply means to put or add courage in. This is why the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 43 and the fourth verse, since you were precious in my sight, you have been honorable and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Some people come into your life for a season while others come into your life for a reason. Some people come into your life as a burden while others come into your life as a blessing. One psychologist by the name of Dreikers once said, Anticipation influences outcome. The fear of making a mistake leads to mistakes. Anyone who can alter the expectations of people can change their behavior. Dreikers went on to say, how much he believed in the power of encouragement and further taught a child needs encouragement as a plant needs water. In other words, encouragement is essential. Children may not die without encouragement, but they certainly will wither. From Dreyke's perspective, regardless of age, encouragement is the ability to help people to develop courage, courage to grow and develop into the people that God called them to be to know that they are capable and resilient, to be able to enjoy life and as Dreyker stated, to have the courage to be imperfect, to feel free to make mistakes and to learn from them all. All of us have made mistakes, all of us have missed it, but this is the place of an Isaiah 43 and four man or woman of God, a mentor that is coming to your life for a reason and that is to bless you, to encourage you to never quit, to overcome the mistakes. It was Winston Churchill in 1941. Great Britain is facing annihilation from Nazi Germany. But Churchill said to the entire nation, never give up, never give in. Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And you may be in a storm right now. But Jesus says to his disciples, as they wake him up while he's sleeping on the ship, the storm arises. The water threatens to sink the boat. The winds threaten to capsize the ship. Jesus is asleep and his disciples wake him up and say, master, don't you care? We're about to die. And Jesus asked his disciples two questions. Why is it that you are so fearful and where is your faith? You may be in a storm right now, but just as Jesus said, then so does he say to you and I now before the storm arose, Jesus says we're crossing over to the other side. People of God, no matter what you are encountering, that's not of the Lord. It may be discouragement. It may be depression. You're going to cross over to the other side, not because I said it, but because Jesus said it. There will be times, if not now, sooner or later, when someone in your circle of influence wants to quit. But Proverbs 25 and 11 says to us, a word spoken at the right time is like golden apples on a silver tray. Rudyard Rudyard Kipling, famed storyteller and Nobel Prize winner once said that words are the most powerful drug used by mankind. The right word spoken at the right time releases the influence of encouragement even in the midst of discouragement. Researchers at the University of Arizona using digital voice recorders over an eight-year period, studied how many words hundreds of American and Mexican college students spoke over several days. The students carried the voice-activated recorders for almost all of their waking hours, which on average was about 17 hours a day. The study found that women spoke 16,215 words a day, while men spoke 15,000. 669 words a day the study suggests that during the course of our day there are a lot of words that are spoken and exchanged some words carry great significance while others carried very little significance it has been said that some people have to say something while others really have something to say the Word of God always has something to say to us and the reason why everybody needs a mentor is that the words that are spoken to us can be of such significance and mutual benefit that those words become the foundation of encouragement. As God's people, as leaders, as mentors, we reap what we sow. If we sow encouragement, when we need encouragement, we will reap encouragement. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 30 and 6, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all of them were embittered, each man for his sons and daughters. But David, the Bible says, felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord, his God. This is undoubtedly the most difficult time in David's life. People that David had served with, worshiped with, prayed with, fought battles with. And now these same people are speaking of stoning him. David, the man after God's own heart, was discouraged. And those that discouraged him were the people that were around him. It's important to understand that people are like elevators. They will either take you up or they will take you down. Everybody needs to be encouraged, but when you learn to encourage yourself, this is the leadership trait of aspiration that is cultivated and developed for the mentoring leader. The online etymology dictionary says that aspiration is the action of breathing into. Aspiration is a hope or ambition of achieving a thing, a steadfast longing for a higher goal, an earnest desire for something above oneself. To aspire is to climb up to, to endeavor to obtain. An aspirational mentor emphasizes in deed and conduct, the qualities and value of life that are needed to sustain one's aspirations. The aspirational mentor exemplifies and provides a setting for the survival of the aspirations of the people that they are sowing into and expecting a harvest, a return on their investment. The International Mentoring Association says that aspirations are feelings and attitudes that pulsate outward and have not been validated, strengthened, or supported, or fully recognized. The mentor's role, the aspirational, motivational a mentor's role is to help the people that they are sowing into to translate their aspirations into actionable steps that produce results. For this to occur, there is a need for openness, honesty, reliability, perceptiveness, flexibility, and enthusiasm. As the effort of pursuing one's aspirations begin to take shape, the aim of the aspirational mentor is to help those that they sow into to see and articulate his or her aspirations. To envision how to enact them and then through thick and thin help to keep his or her aspirations alive. Why everybody needs a mentor is further revealed in Luke 12 and 48, where Jesus said to whom much is given, much is required. This means that we are held responsible and accountable unto the Lord for what we have and what we do with what we have. And because we have been given much, we have the responsibility to motivate others to not grow weary And well-doing. For in due season, they will reap if they faint not. The Oxford English Dictionary provides a foundational definition of motivation from the original Latin motivius, which means to move. It further means at its core a motive or reason for doing something with enthusiasm. Our English word enthusiasm from its original Greek origin is entheos, which means possessed by God or inspired. Motivation therefore becomes a desire or willingness to do or move with enthusiasm. From this perspective, a mentor is a motivator, one that provides a motive or motives, provokes or causes someone to move with enthusiasm. If the idea for a mentor And those that they sow into is to cause one to move. The question becomes, where are we going? David acknowledged God. I don't know. In Psalm 25 verses four and five in the New International Version, David says, Lord, show me your ways guide me in your truth and teach me. We don't know what season of life this was for David. We don't know if he was in the cave of Adullam hiding from Saul or we don't know or we don't know if he was running from the insurrection led by his son Absalom. But David was honest and said to God, God, show me your ways. Guide me in your truth and teach me. Once we have shown, once God has shown us the way Now we can go that way. Once God has taught us the way, now we can teach others the way. Because where are we going? Do we have an idea of how we're going to move forward with enthusiasm concerning our aspirations? The Holden Leadership Center at the University of Oregon, in an article entitled Motivating Your Members, states that Cultivating or or stimulating motivation within an organization, which certainly includes the church, first begins by helping the group members to develop a good, healthy image of self. There are five precepts or rules for leaders to develop a healthy self image. Number one, do what's right. Number two, do the best you can. Number three, treat others as you like to be treated. Number four, exhibit a positive attitude. And number five, expect the best at all times. These are five precepts. A precept is a rule, a guide, a compass for life, a compass for ministry, words that we can live by. These five precepts, do what's right, do the best you can. Treat others as you like to be treated. Exhibit a positive attitude. Expect the best at all times is what this leadership center at the University of Oregon says is the foundation of a good, healthy image of self. From this vantage point, a mentor will motivate others by establishing a consistent reputation for doing what is right. Doing what is right is a leadership attribute of integrity, where God says to the prophet uh, Micah, Verse chapter 6, verse 8, and the Lord has shown thee, O man, what is good, to do justly, do the right thing, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before thy God. Secondly, doing the best that you can is a persistent pursuit of one's best efforts. It can never be a pursuit of perfection simply because nobody is perfect. However, Vince Lombardi, the the coach of the championship Green Bay Packers back in the late 60s once said, you cannot catch perfection, but if you chase perfection, you can catch excellence. There's no such thing as a perfect mentor. It is the excellent excellence of conduct, thought, and conduct that is attractive, desirable, and pursued by others because as Paul said, your life, my life becomes living epistles, read of men. People may never read our Bibles, but they will read our lives. This is why Paul said in the Philippians chapter three, verses 12 through 14 in the international standard version, it's not that I have already reached this goal or have already become perfect, but I keep pursuing it, hoping somehow to embrace it just as I've been embraced by Jesus Christ. The King James version, Paul says, I'm trying to apprehend that which has apprehended me. Verse 13, Paul says, brothers, I do not consider myself to have embraced it or to have apprehended it, but there's one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I keep pursuing the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. This is a part of a healthy self-image for Us as mentors, models, and motivators, helping others to pursue the same. The next principle of a healthy self-image, treating others as you would like to be treated, we know as the golden rule. This is conduct that gives dignity and respect to all and not to just a select few. The Amplified Version of Matthew 7 and 12 declares in everything, treat others the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the essence of the law and the writings of the prophets. Everything that was in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, the Torah, the five books of the law, the writings of the prophets, Elisha, Elisha, Micah, Joel, all of the prophets, everything is fulfilled in this principle and precept, treating others the same way that you would treat them, which is rooted in In the love of God. The fourth principle of this healthy self image is exhibiting a positive attitude. This is a leadership trait that is developed and persistently seen even in the face of things that sometimes seem to be too hard to do, understand or overcome. It is a statement by one's life and actions that exudes hope that everything is going to work out. Everything's going to be all right. Romans 15 and 13 teaches us, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our helper, the paracletos, the one that comes alongside us to help us. This is a part of developing a healthy self-image for us as mentors, models, and motivators. And the fifth principle of a healthy self image is expecting the best at all times, which provides an atmosphere of confidence in the church, in the workplace, that when practiced will push an organization to greater productivity. It is the simple fact that people produce more when their leaders believe and expect the best at all times. The principles discussed a few moments ago must go beyond simply reciting them or placing these principles in the policies and procedures handbook. If a person's self-image is to be transformed into the image of Christ, Bernard, Bernard Bass in his book, Transformational Leadership, discusses what he calls inspirational motivation. The aim of inspirational motivation is included in transformational leadership. If it is true that no leader can motivate a team member or follow, follower. What Bass suggests is that motivation comes through inspiration, inspired inspired by the Holy Spirit for you and I, inspired impartation by others. Bass defines and describes inspirational motivation as the degree to which the leader articulates a vision that is appealing and inspiring to followers leaders with inspirational motivation within themselves challenge others by exemplifying high standards, constantly and consistently communicating optimism about future goals and providing meaning or purpose for the task at hand. Habakkuk, the prophet declares it like this in the New International Version of chapter two, verse two, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. A herald is a messenger bringing news, creating a mentoring culture. We bring the revelation, the vision, and make it plain by bringing the news of inspirational motivation for an impartation for transformation, providing by example, a strong sense of purpose for those that have been that we have chosen to invest in, to be motivated to act. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 in the Amplified Bible declares, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with great power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. When you know that God is with you, he's more than the whole world against you. Elisha the prophet had to encourage his servant because they were surrounded by the entire Syrian army. His servant was nervous in the service, but Elisha prayed unto God, God, open up his eyes that he may see that they that be with us are more than they that be with him. We're never alone. We've got more power than the enemy. Jesus was inspired. The Bible tells us, and motivated and provoked by his purpose in the earth to move with enthusiasm, to heal, deliver, and to set people free that were oppressed, vexed, and depressed by the devil. The reason why everybody needs a mentor is to learn to do as Jesus did because we are anointed with the Holy Ghost and with great power to heal, to deliver, and to set people free. Motivation, inspirational motivation, is likened unto the story of of the essence of survival. It says every morning on the African plain, a gazelle wakes up. It knows it must run faster than the fastest lion or it will be killed. Every morning on the African plain, a lion wakes up. It knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. The moral of the story is it doesn't matter whether you are the lion or the gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. Inspiration and motivation provides purpose, meaning, and energy that drives a ministry or organization to run every morning, up recognizing this is the day that the Lord has made and we are moving forward. The sun is up again, not just the S-U-N, but the S-O-N because he rules and reigns. And there's never a time that he has not given us dominion over everything. So we got to be up in the morning running to fulfill the purpose and plan of God, which is to impart, which is to create mentors, to be mentors, models, and motivators. Because we purpose to maintain this mindset and example, people around us are encouraged and optimistic about the future and believe in their abilities and the abilities of the leader that inspired and motivated them. So Isaiah says in the 40th chapter, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll Mount up on wings of eagles, they'll run and not be weary. They will walk and they shall not faint. If you do not have a mentor, the Bible says, let your request be made known unto God. Everybody needs a mentor. Wait on the Isaiah 43 and 4 mentor, the one that God has given you for your life to be a blessing and not a burden. Everybody needs a mentor because everybody needs help and hope. Hope is a confident, favorable expectation. John Maxwell once stated, where there is no hope in the future, there is no power in the present. It is those who were able to find hope for the future that had the strength and power to succeed in the present. Biblical hope is forward-looking faith. It is a confident belief based not on things experienced, but on the word of God that the future he says will happen. God says, you know, Jeremiah 29 and 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you hope and an expected end. The expected end is the end result of God's word that's imparted into our lives, in our relationship, and our walk with him and with a trusted friend, mentor or advisor, the one that can inspire us, encourage us. Hope is a future certainty that gives us joy, peace, and patience in the present. So Paul says in Romans 8, 24 and 25 in the English Standard Version, now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The God of hope pours hope into you and I through the Holy Spirit. The Bible further says in Romans 15 and 13, the good news translation, may God the source of hope, fill you with all joy and peace by means of your faith in him so that your hope will continue to grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. And a part of my hope is that God will raise up mentors, men and women of God, intent on establishing purposeful relationships that are valued, trusted, and respected. My, a part of my hope is God that will, will raise up Men and women of God that will impart authentic accountability, which is reliable, dependable and affirmational into the lives of others that becomes our professional and spiritual responsibility, socially, emotionally, spiritually and physically, fulfilling the creed and the mandate of the nature of these podcasts of making a difference where we believe you make a difference one life at a time. As we move to the close of our podcast for today, the strength of covenant relationships that we discussed in last week's podcast that we saw in Jonathan and David's relationship in 1 Samuel chapter 18 is a solid example of what has been described. And because Jonathan was David's mentor, their relationship helped David to survive. Saul was throwing javelins at David's head in an effort to kill him. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 8, David goes to Jonathan, his mentor, and he says, if I'm not messed up, if I'm not jacked up, in the King James version, it says, David, David says, if you find iniquity in me, that which is bent and twisted on the inside of me, kill me. This is a part of their covenant. This is a part of their mentoring relationship where David gave Jonathan the responsibility and accountability to speak truth into his life, truth that would transform. David was inquiring, am I that messed up? But as you know, the rest of the story, Jonathan supported, supported David. And because of his loyalty and affection, his commitment to God and connection to his leader, Jonathan gave up the crown knowing that David was the next king. And Jonathan, because of loyalty and affection, chose to die on the battlefield with his father, knowing that the kingdom of God would do well in the hands of David, a man after God's own heart. This mentoring relationship that Jonathan and David had was established and rooted in the love of God. Jonathan had his own brothers. David had his own brothers, but it was by God's design that this mentoring relationship was established. And it's important that we understand that everybody needs a mentor because there are some things that we just don't know. And so as we close today, share this podcast with family, friends, and co-workers, helping those that are in your circle of influence to understand that all of us need a mentor because we are better together.